Hey everyone, this is Aaron. I will be taking a vacation, at least from podcasting for a while. I hope you enjoy these rebroadcast episodes from our Hall of Fame archives. Welcome to the E6S Method Podcast with Jacob and Aaron, your source for expert advice on Lean, Six Sigma, and performance improvement methods. In this episode number 14, part 4 of 4, we wrap up our Measure the Right Stuff Project Metrics series with goal setting, the 70% rule of thumb. Here we go. Hey, Jacob, how are you? Hey, Dan, how are you? Jacob, I am doing great. Today we're going to close out on our Project Metrics series with episode, with the fourth of four series with episode 14. And I thought we were going done with this a long time ago, but it seems like we just had so much to discuss on this. I never in my mind thought we would have you know, three or four sessions on this. Yeah, no, I, pl- I planned on a quick short half hour and then and then it opened up and it opened up. You might call it scope creep. <laughs> it's highly possible, but I think we've had some good discussions. But Yeah, anyway. you know, the the devil's in the details and, we, and you know, we tried to cover a lot of the details that, um, you know, may at sometimes confuse people and just keep digging and digging and, and bringing up little tips and tricks on how to deal with certain aspects of, of metrics this time. Yep. And I do I do believe that metrics are far trickier than uh you know people give them credit for. It's the hardest part. I mean trying to define things and figure out what you're actually measuring and why you're measuring it and does it tie to your problem. That is honestly the hardest part mm-hmm. that I struggle with. And I'm sure a lot of others also. Right. So we want to wrap this up now with goal setting, project met- metrics um for your project and setting a target goal and remember we had gone through you know a smart goal well this is the measurable part well it's 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 not just the measurable part what else it's also a t- achievable part right or attainable yeah it's a little bit of both attainable part yep yeah can you refresh on the the smart acronym that we're using yeah, so you know the acronym for goal setting, which we said you gotta use the SMART principle. S is being for specific, M is being for measurable, A being for attainable, R being for relevant, and T being for timely. So you want to make sure that your goals or the metrics that you're selecting for your project, not necessarily the goal, goal for your project, which is results in your metric, kind of are aligned to those things. Right, so um, so now we're gonna we're gonna talk about how to develop a goal based off of process history, and there's this uh, kind of a rule of thumb that is we've we've alluded to it many times the seventy percent to entitlement rule, and uh, basically uh, we have outlined in here and and uh, just so everybody knows, go to the show notes again. We have some graphics and and charts on how to calculate this, whether or not you want to maximize your um, metric or you want to minimize your metric and got a little bit of simple math in there as well but uh, it makes it a lot easier to look at a, a graph and see what exactly we're trying to do in moving from the baseline uh, toward the entitlement so just some definitions the baseline what's the baseline of a process Jacob now, you know it's for, for, for a time period that you've selected that you want to measure yourself against what is the average performance? And it depends, right? If you're using an average, if you're using a median, whatever that, for that time period, how your performance has been 
that's what you're calling a baseline. So say, for example, uh, the pizza delivery case, right? Mm -hmm. If you want to go back to that, on average, uh, we, we are tracking everything from, say, December 1st to March 1st. And we're going to look at, hey, on these days, our average delivery time was 25 minutes. Right. So your or our median delivery time was 20 minutes, whatever you're looking for. You want to look at that's where you have been performing. And that's kind of what you're going to put as your baseline. Okay. And then the other question comes, what is entitlement? Mm-hmm. Or the other big term that you're going to hear is, is we're going to refer more and more is this concept of entitlement. So what is entitlement? So just keeping with the um, with your uh, pizza delivery, say, uh, say, what did you say your baseline was? Twenty five minutes. Yeah, let's say twenty five minutes. All right, twenty five minutes. But on one day, you know, the the streets cleared. Um, it must have been a holiday, no traffic. And one day you got it done in fifteen minutes, and you've never been able to do it that well um, uh, before. So it's the best you've ever done within the time frame that you're talking about. So that's your entitlement. It's the best performance achieved within the observation history that you're looking at. So, so the baseline's more of an average or a median, whatever metric you're using, kind of, you know, this is where you're performing and your entitlement is more what's the best you've ever done within that time period. Right. So in this case, you know, when you're trying um, to, the goal is to minimize how much time it takes, the entitlement is uh, lower than your baseline. And you might have a metric where you're trying to maximize your metric. And in that case, the entitlement will be uh, greater than your baseline. Yeah. And, and an example for, you know, for that scenario might be, let's say you're working on a, a yield of a product. You're a manufacturing facility and you care a lot about yield or you care a lot about your on-time delivery statistics if you're in the logistics world. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to, you don't, you don't want to decrease your on-time yield, uh, on-time delivery or your first uh, or your roll throughput yield you always want to make sure that you are increasing them. Right. So. Right. Yeah, you want to increase your yield and increase your on-time delivery. Yep, I agree. So. so how do you use this to create a goal? Very good question. So I've actually had, you know, typically if you ask any person, hey, you are operating right now at 88% is your, let's call it on-time delivery metric. And if you ask a team, what do you think you should set as a goal that you can achieve realistically? What do you think people are going to answer most of the cases? I don't know about realistically, but I think people tend to try to go for, well, let's, let's go for 100. There's definitely, a, you know, I'm say, I'll say a section of folks that really want to be aggressive, that they want to aim for the best. Mm-hmm. Um, there is also definitely, I'm sure there's another group that feels that hey, at some point I'm going to be graded against what goal I take for my project or what I'm going to be, so I might as well put something there that I am pretty confident I can get to. If my bonus or if my end-of-the-year goals are tied to this project meeting whatever goal is being set, Mm -hmm. I would want to set something relatively that I can almost 99% confidently say I'm going to achieve. Okay. So I might say 92%. Okay. What the rule of thumb that specifically the Six Sigma world says is you want to be... You want to improve from your baseline, from your baseline, 70% towards your entitlement or your best. Right. So if I put um, some math to that, I'm just going to yep. rattle off this. So this is your, say we want to do a, uh, you know, maximize our in-process yield. And I have an example in the notes here. 
Okay. So that would be your entitlement minus your baseline, and all of that times 70% or times 0.7. Mm-hmm. And then that added to your baseline, which is yep. essentially it's 70% the distance between your baseline and your entitlement. Yep. And also, and you and you're adding your baseline on top of that, right? And and yeah, exactly. Yep. Starting at your baseline, moving seventy percent of the distance towards, towards your entitlement. Exactly. And that'll become your. That's the target for your new your new average that you're you're targeting. You want to hit yep as a goal for your price. right. So, and I'll say in this is a pretty conservative measure, uh, in my opinion. It. Uh, most projects, uh, you, you set this as a goal, most projects that I've been involved in have where you, uh, basing your target on history easily achieves this. Yep, I would say so. Yeah, I, I'd say it's um, yeah, pretty conservative. Yep, I mean, I, I honestly don't know how the 70%, I haven't really dug into it to even understand why that 70% rule came mm-hmm. into play. Have you ever researched it? I have not. It, it, uh, I do not know, but it's a rule of thumb and it could be very arbitrary. If anybody else knows, go ahead and fill us in. But, um, you know, who started it? Did it start with Motorola or did it start, you know, somewhere after that? Yeah. I'm, uh, you know, now that I think about it, I'm curious. <laughs> but, yeah, if, if anybody can find us or has an answer for that, please feel share that with us. All right. So what if um, a, def- a defective rate, that's your that's your metric. Okay. And you need to minimize it, right? Or it could be the cycle time, like we or cycle about. time, or a, yeah, because your goal is to always make things faster or smoother or make it better. Right. So, just a couple examples here: defects per million opportunity, which we talked about in a couple episodes ago. Defects per unit, percent of returns or complaints, yep. uh, throughput time, and call center time to pick up. Those are all examples of things that you want to minimize um, in your business process or in your product, production processes. Yep, yep. So the opposite, uh, it kind of takes the opposite truth. So there's some uh, changes in uh, order of um, order of terms in the math. So it's baseline minus entitlement, all of that times 7.7, and sub- that subtracted from your baseline. So you're reducing toward your entitlement that metric yeah in other words if you were if you you know the the comparison to a metric that you were increasing from your baseline you were trying to head towards the best you were you wanted to go 70 percent to that point in a case where you are you know if the metric is in the direction that's to be reduced your the wish list is or the wishes that you reduce your goal or whatever metric you're measuring you go from the baseline 70 per 70 percent of the way towards the, the slowest or the best you've ever done in the other direction. Mm-hmm. So I think it, I mean, I, I think the math is still the same. It's just that which direction do you take it to? Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's kind of a simple mistake, but a common mistake for people to forget that they're looking at yields when they're talking about defects and they, you know, they yep, switch yep. the signs and they say, oh, my, you know, <laughs> I plan, my target is to increase the amount of defects in our process. And that's just not the case. You are listening to E6S Methods Podcast, brought to you by E6S Industries. Join us on our website at www.e6s-methods.com.
www.thecoachmentor.com. Journey through success. This episode of the E-Success Methods Podcast is brought to you by me. That's right. No one is paying me for these podcasts, not even you. So do me a favor. Go to my website and check it out. If you see something you like and you can use, buy it. If you don't see anything you like, then don't buy it. But do send me a message and let me know what you would buy if it were available. Go ahead and check us out at www.e6s-methods.com. Thanks a lot. There are some cautions to using this. I mean, we shouldn't just put this, um, you know, to use blindly, in my opinion. I've seen at times where these things were used on systems that they really didn't have a, a stable process history. So what do you mean by that? Yeah, some examples of what I saw for that are trends. Like if I'm watching in my process history um, a process defect level or process yield, and it's it's just trending up and up and up and up and up, um, and then we're we're running a uh, in our average and baseline based off of something that's it's really not stable. And by stable, I mean it's not randomly distributed about the mean of an of some sort of average. It is. It's got some serious trends to it, and that could. So the cautions that you have on here is that the the process is doing something. It's not behaving um, with a normal random variation. It, if it if it's degrading. I mean, you might not be capable of hitting the goal based on the entitlement that might be at the beginning beginning of that trend. If your entitlement is the first piece you ever made and you've just seen it degrading, your process might not be the same. You may have to do some serious maintenance or calibration or something, but it's not the same process as what when you first noticed that entitlement part. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think what you're referring to is you also want to be careful that Pro, you know, when you're selecting this goal or you're selecting your entitlement, actually, even when you're selecting that history period, right. you're actually looking at a consistent process mm-hmm. or something that is working the way it should. And I think that's what you're trying to refer to as a normal. Right. So we're talking about um, the process should not have a lot of um, non-normal variation, special cause variation in it. Um, this this uh, approach to setting a goal really is based off of something that's it's not meeting all its uh you know yield requirements but it is it is consistent yeah i mean you know one of the other things i've also noticed is uh people see this you know it it might not be a let's say a case that happens all the time but there might be just that one anomaly number that out there say uh, if you're looking at the yield case, you know, consistently we are operating at 96%. But one time I made it, we were able to hit 100% mm-hmm. just once. But otherwise, I'm consistently fluctuating between, say, 94 and 97. Mm-hmm. So, and during my history period that I was referencing, you know, typically all my numbers are between somewhere between 94 and 97. But there was that one particular scenario where I hit 100%. Mm-hmm. Do I consider that as my entitlement? It depends. <laughs> I, I did it. I did it. I first time I used those words on this uh, on this podcast. I, think. I know. Um, and uh, and I say that as just because, uh, in my experience, master black belts are notorious when they're being asked a question of answering with "it depends." 
Um, you know, in the scenario that you've given, um, you know, 100% doesn't seem that much further from, you know, 97%. However, True. Um, say we're talking, you know, numbers of widgets instead of, a, you know, a percent, and you've spiked from 800 to 1,000, uh, you know, widgets per minute, um, you know, it, it could have been a typo. Um, it just, it's something that just does not, it, 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 it could very well be uh, an outlier mm-hmm. or, f- or a fluke that you, you cannot replicate um, again. Exactly. So, you know, at some point you have to be conscious about those numbers also within the data mm-hmm. set that you're collecting. And that's kind of what I wanted to hope that everybody just got that in mind. Right. And there's also, you know, I mentioned, you know, a degrading process. It could also be improving. Like maybe it's trending in the positive direction. If that's the case, don't even bother. <laughs> don't bother with this goal. Just try try to find out what's making it go in the positive direction and, and try to sustain that. You save your lot of self a lot of time and effort on this project. If it's already moving in the right direction, figure out why and uh, you know just help keep it moving in that direction. Yep. Uh, and step changes. Step changes are another another big one, and these can change by you know if there's a uh, an impact of different processes different people, uh, change in the measurement system. How often does that happen? Have you noticed that a lot? What, step changes? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I have. I've had, um, you know, if you look at a process uh, capability, um, having mm-hmm. it be very operator dependent, um, and, uh, and or if you are looking at a, you know, a met measurement set that contains two different uh, pieces of equipment, uh, you know, if all the met- metrics are an aggregate of two different pieces of equipment, um, one's one's a little older than another, um, or something like that. Yeah, I have seen some step changes. Yeah, I mean, I've I've seen trends, you know, both directions. I've seen step changes, not maybe consistently going in one direction. I've seen it go in both directions. So, you know, say for example, it might be consistently for a week or two going above the cycle or above the average or the baseline as we call it and then a week or two going consistently below the baseline you know those sort of a trends is that what you're referencing to more as a step change usually the the um the history i'm talking about it doesn't include um it's not a huge uh amount of it's not like a year's worth of data but uh say you know say you have a couple months worth of data and at the beginning of it's almost it's almost like a trend. At the beginning of this history, it's operating at ninety five percent consistently, but more toward the tail of this, it's operating at um, you know eighty eight percent you know efficiency or, or yield. Um, and somewhere in between there, it's clear that something changed um, that is uh, that has made your data um, look this you know look different. You know either you know, they calibrated it during that time, or they flipped the switch, or maybe a different operator done on different shifts, uh, something, and you may not have traceability to it, uh, but there was some uh, special cause variation that happened during that time. Yep, yep, yep. That makes sense. And unless you figure what out what that was, just like the outlier, um, you might not be able to replicate it uh, unless you figure out what that was. Mm-hmm. Also. You don't want to just apply this willy-nilly because guess what? The 70, 70% rule, we, we mentioned it's 
pretty conservative, which means sometimes it's just not good enough. When might that be? Well, that would be when your um, your current process entitlement doesn't reach uh, what your industry or your customer demands your um, your metric to be at. So this was this is probably more of the cases where you're saying you're working on this project because whatever you're doing now is not working or not resulting in the results that you're expected to deliver. Yeah, right. It may, you know, if you're, like say for instance, if uh, if my process history says I can only achieve an 88% yield as a target and my industry standard is, you know, 98% yield or, you know, or the um, company standard is 98% yield, uh, what am I going to go to? I'm going to go to the... the uh, the executive committee and say, well, I can get this up to 88% yield. They're going to look at me and say, um, you need to get it to 98% yield. And at you that get. point, you have to say, okay, yes, I, yes, yes, sir, I will. And mm-hmm. this is going to require a process change. And at this point, you may want to um, redirect your project into a design for Six Sigma project uh, rather than just a standard DMAIC model. And the reason why you're recommending that specifically, why you have to switch to a DFSS model more than a DMAIC model is kind of hinting on the fact that DMAIC expects it to be a consistent process and you're trying to reduce the variation or reduce the defects and make the process better without trying to really change too much within the process. Is that a fair statement? Yes, exactly right. And the DFSS section or a design for Six Sigma related project is more about you are now having or you now are consciously saying that the current process is on how it's working today. We haven't even reached the entitlement of what our expectations are. Um, So then we have to really redesign this process to be even able to try to hit what our customer demands are or what we need to be at. And that's why you don't necessarily need to have a 70% kind of rule for those kind of projects. And, you know, in some cases, you know, this is something that I practice in my current organization is we kind of tell the teams specifically when you're doing a a new design for a process or something to set an aggressive goal. Um, The idea, and when I say aggressive is really aggressive, so... You know, even if the customer demand is only, say, 96% or 98%, shoot for 99%. Mm-hmm. And the idea behind that is you're designing a process. Uh, it's your chance to make it the best it can be while you're working at it. So go for the best. So at least you are aiming for right. it. Uh, chances are if you say, hey, you know what? I'll be happy with a, 95 degree, a 95% process. Chances are you're going to probably hit somewhere only 92, 93 Okay, so in that in that sense, you setting that mm-hmm. stretch goal beyond what might be reasonable. So if you don't hit your target, how do you know when you're done? As a project perspective, I would say, you know, at once you start seeing some consistency. So this is a brand new project, mm-hmm. you know, say it's a brand new process. As long as I'm seeing some consistency, hey, I was aiming for 99%. I've been able to hit 97 for the last six months. Mm-hmm. At that point, I would say, you know what, you guys are doing the, you know, as long as I have some faith to see that 
The team's actually working on this. They're continuously thinking on what to do next. They've been consistently hitting 97 plus or whatever that range is. Mm -hmm. I would say, you know what, as a project perspective, we can close it, but I would still expect you guys to keep working on this to try and get to that 99 number. So in in your industry, do you use this 70% rule? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Mm-mm. Okay. Because for us, most of it is, in many cases, is process redesign. Process redesign. Or actually, I wouldn't say process redesign. We actually give the teams the the approval, if you want to say, you are more. You are the one working on this process. You have. You know what's best that needs to be done. If you need to upheave the process on how it's being done today, mm-hmm. feel free to do it. Right. So there's a, a design element in your project, which is not off limits. No, it's not. And if you need technology support, you need something of that sort, we can figure a way to get you that. And I think that most projects, at some point, when they hit you know, even a Demake project, when they hit their, you know, say the improve phase, they do come up against a, a design element that they might need to change. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, that design element is probably what makes this 70% rule very conservative. Yep. Is, uh, you know, changing a design of uh, whether it's a motor mount, whether it's, you know, a mixing shaft or, or whether it's, um, you know, you know, moving something to a different side of the room, you're changing the process. Yep. Um, even if it's just controlling the room temperature better, you are changing the process. Yep. Or you're changing the flow, you know, mm-hmm. on the order in which how you're doing things. Oh, right. A lean, a lean project, absolutely. Yep. If you, if you are successful at removing waste, um, it is a significant, I'll call it, redesign of the process. And um, it just blows the 70% rule out of the water which is why it's a, a, a conservative estimate. So why do we use it? The way I see it, it's a kind of a quick and dirty way, a rule of thumb, of putting a line in the sand. This is way better than we are now, and it is not as good. It's not as good as the best we've ever done. So it is a, a bit of a stretch goal, but also realistic. Also very realistic. <laughs> <laughs> right. But it doesn't go beyond the entitlement, and that's what makes it more realistic than than in a without a process redesign. Exactly. All right, I think we beat the crap out of this one. <laughs> I think so too. I don't think we can do any more or oh. add any more to this topic. All right, so uh, let's uh, let's end the seventy percent rule there and our close out our project metrics series. Awesome. Measuring the right stuff. Thanks for listening to episode 14 of the eSuccess Methods podcast. Stay tuned for episode number 15, where we discuss tools to help create a consensus and project scope. We discuss common tools like SciPoc, MacroMap, FiveWise, and others. Don't forget to check out our website at www.e6s-methods.com. Journey through success.